0: Well, good morning, and uh, thank you, praise team. Our children, exit. Fathers. Father's Day. Who, what father's going home to cook lunch? Wives. Oh, my goodness. You are to be praised for sure. You are going to take them out to eat. That's what mine's going to do. (laughs) Uh, We're looking forward to it. Happy Father's Day. And uh, we are so glad to to, uh, have the opportunity to to be with you and share this day with you. Um, We were together with both of our sons yesterday and uh several of our grandchildren i think all of them were there yeah all of our grandchildren as well and uh it was a good time uh i fixed hot dogs that was uh that was a good uh, summer lunch and uh dinner whatever you want to call it uh, one or the two or both and uh, because we had enough left over <laughs> we, we could eat them all next week in fact i think it was but uh, but it was good, and and I hope you have a great Father's Day, all of you fathers. In fact, I've got a great Father's Day sermon for you today, and so I hope and pray that uh, that you will uh, uh, really hear some some great words, uh, not necessarily from my mouth, but from my heart uh, to yours, and from the Word of God itself. Uh, take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. I will be preaching on verses 2 through 6, but I want to include verse 1 because it just uh, couples the, the two chapters, chapter 10 and 11, together. Um, After reading Matthew 11, I will ask you to be seated, then I'm going to turn to two other verses, uh, Deuteronomy 11, verse 19, and Ephesians 5, verse 25, uh, as well to buttress this sermon uh, with those two passages, Old Testament and New Testament as well. In honor of God's Word, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Matthew chapter 11, begin at verse 1. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. Jesus has just concluded uh, several uh, days of teaching uh, with his apostles and uh, going through different cities and towns teaching, and, and he was going to continue, but he also was going to continue teaching his disciples. And when John, verse 2, had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to Jesus, Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? Jesus answered John's disciples, and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed are, is he, who, he who, who is not offended because of me? Let us pray together. Father, we bless you and we praise you for this day. We thank you for your presence of the Holy Spirit. And we pray, our Father, that through the Holy Spirit today, you will speak to our hearts through your word. And Lord, prick our hearts at the point of our need to be submitted and surrendered to you. And Father, open and honest in our dealings with you and with others. For Christ's sake, and in his name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 19 states this, You shall teach them to your children. Speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. What is he speaking about? Well, to be true to Scripture, you cannot take a verse out of its context or where it is without putting it in or seeing it in its context. And so you have to go back to passages sometimes even chapters before. So in this particular case, Jesus is speaking about chapter 10, and he's speaking about the Shema. In chapter 10, verses 12, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command you today for your good. Now, go back to verse 19 of chapter 11. You shall teach them. Teach what? Teach what He's just said. The commands, the edicts of the Lord. Brother Brian has just shared with us that In law enforcement, you can tell whether children have been raised with a dad or not. You can tell whether a child has been raised under leadership or not, and whether they respect that authority, whether they look to that authority and follow that authority. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Ephesians 5.25 gives us a very similar passion with a different slant. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, (laughs) fathers, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of all things. He is the leader of the church. He's the owner of the church. He is the head of the church. And as such, he tells us as husbands and us as fathers to love our wives. Why? Why would he do such a thing? Well, if we go back to the Old Testament, to what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 19, that is to teach them to our children. Teach what? We've already said the Shema. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. God comes first. If our children know that we have someone who is over us, who is head over us, who comes first in our life, and they see that, by the way, fathers, dads, husbands, they see that in our lifestyle, in our actions, in our words. And so in every way, what he's talking about is our lifestyle being patterned after the Lord Jesus in Matthew. And, and, and so that's a background of what I want to share with you today from this passage of Matthew chapter 11. Now, let me, let me say this. You, you've, you have extended me a call to, uh, to be your your transitional interim pastor, and and uh, thank you. I, I welcome that opportunity. Look forward to it. Uh, please understand, I'm I'm not like Will. I won't be like Will. I won't preach like Will. But I'll if if, if he preached similarly from the standpoint I understand he preached verse by verse expository preaching. I preach expository preaching. It may not at times be verse by verse, but it will be from the Word of God. It will be God's Word. Uh, And I make no apologies for that. I learned under some of the best expository preachers, Dr. Adrian Rogers. um, And uh, Stephen Olford was, I sat at his feet, uh, one of the, the greatest teachers of expository preaching. Uh, Charles Stanley, John MacArthur. Uh, all of these have been in in my repertoire of learning as well. But please don't expect me to be like Will. Uh, Will was your, your pastor for 20 years. You love him dearly. Continue to love him, uh, he and his family. I appreciate that. I would appreciate that if you did and hope you do. And will encourage you to to do so. Um, my task and my calling is to share with you in this interim time. It's a it's a very sweet time. It can be very troublesome time, but uh, I commit to you to be the best of the pastoring that I can give you after fifty plus years of pastoring, and. Um, uh, my wife and I um, cherish the time that we have with you. So, back to the Matthew and to the message today. You know people are very perceptive. People see through our fig leaf excuses. Uh, they see through all of the insincerity of our lives. And they are looking for something that is genuine. People today are looking for something and someone that's real. Heard a story of a, of a kid who, who was, uh, uh, scared of the dark. And, uh, his dad and mom put him to bed at, uh, bedtime and, and, uh, and so a- as he went to bed, he got up and, and came back in to the living room where mom and dad was, and and uh, and and said, "Mom, I'm I'm scared. I'm, I'm scared. There's something in my room." So his dad goes in there and, and cuts on the light and looks under the bed in the closet and says, "There's nothing here, son. It's, it'll be all right. You go back to bed." So he goes back to bed. Just a few minutes, the little boy back in there. Dad, and mom, and and said, "I just I, I just I can't go to sleep. I scared. Something's in my room." And he, he said, the dad goes back in there, cuts the light on, says, looks all around, looks everywhere, and uh, says, "Son, there's nothing in, nothing in here, nothing at all." Says, "So, so go on back to bed, go on back to bed." And and uh, so he goes back to bed, cuts the light off, and and then goes out of the room. And in less than five minutes, the boy's back in there. Says, "Something's in my room. I'm scared. I'm scared." He said, "Son." take your rabbit, wrap up with him, get close to him, and and let him him comfort you. He'll be a comfort to you. He says, "Uh uh-uh, daddy, I need something with skin on it. (laughs) Need something that's real. Real. Something I can handle, something I can touch. John the Baptist is in prison. He's in prison for preaching the Word of God. Herod has put him in there, and in uh, hoping to please the people, and uh, and so John in prison, the forerunner of Jesus, mind you, he came preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus, you know, came to John's baptiz- baptizing of the Jordan in the Jordan there, and and. Uh, and saying, I, I need to be baptized of you, John said, no, Lord, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And uh, Jesus said, uh, let it be so now, because uh, things will follow suit the way God has planned for them. And uh, and later, as he baptized Jesus, the Bible says, a dove descended from heaven on to Jesus. And a voice from heaven was heard saying, this is is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So John, in prison, probably had been in prison, mm, let's say approximately a year's time. He had proclaimed that Jesus was the coming one, the Messiah. And so, he proclaimed as well that he was coming in blessing and in judgment. Jesus had blessed many, he had healed many, he had raised expectations, they had praised him, they had worshipped him, but they hadn't seen any judgment. Jesus hadn't judged and purged anyone from their sins, from the standpoint of, you're guilty, and what they expect. You see, they expected Jesus to come in pomp and power. They expected Jesus to set things right, set the Roman world on its head, turn things around. That's not what Jesus came for. And our expectation of Jesus may be just as flawed. Of what we expect of Jesus in our lives today. John's disciples had kept John informed in prison of what Jesus was doing. They had kept him up to date with what was going on. So John had a query. Now, pause for just a moment. Not a commercial, but just a moment of thought. John came, he was the forerunner of Jesus. John came preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand the forerunner of Jesus, preaching, preparing the way of the Lord. Why did he have a question about this Jesus? Why did John, the cousin of Jesus, the the apostle of Jesus, why did John A disciple of Jesus? Why did he have a question about Jesus at all? Well, let me ask you a question. If you had been in prison for about a year and you hadn't been out there and been able to preach as you were called to preach and be the forerunner of Jesus, go before him, prepare his way, what would you think? How would you react? How would you feel? What would be going on in your mind? What would be passing through the thoughts of your heart and your mind? And you see, John was in that type of situation. In fact, what do we think today when situations arise that we have nothing to do with? We can't help like our pastor going to the mission field and no longer being our pastor. What do we think of? Where does our mind go to? It should go to, okay, the Lord is moving. The Lord has called them. This is another transition in their ministry journey. So we need to support them, encourage them, and send them on their way. Love them. Continue to love them. Continue to pray for them send them on their way with joy, with gladness, so that they have no sadness in their heart from the standpoint of us not understanding what's happening. You see, God calls us and moves us, sends us, stirs us, leads us. He's prepared us. He's preparing us. Every day He's preparing us. Every minute He's preparing us for what He has for us in the next minute. <laughs> it may be next year. John, you see, was in prison. He had been the forerunner of Jesus. He was the forerunner of Jesus. He had done what Jesus sent him to do. Now, he's in prison. Giving witness to what's going on. He sent his disciples back to Jesus and said what's going on? Are you the one that we're to be looking for? Are you the one that's supposed to come? Are you the one or are we supposed to look for another one? Jesus was asked from John an anticipating question. So what are people asking about you? What are people asking about me? What are people asking about us as Christians today? Friends, let me tell you something. People are asking a lot of questions about Christians today. A lot of persecution is coming down about Christianity today. A lot of people are wanting to do away with Christianity, or trying to do away with Christianity today. Wanting to smush it out, stamp it out. Stomp it out. Friends, we are living in that day that we thought would come, maybe not in our time, but it's in our time. There is a time of persecution that is here. John said, are you the one that should come, or do we keep looking for another? Probably he felt demoralized having been in prison for such a long time, and nothing happening. Jesus didn't have any second thoughts about why he was here and about why he came. Jesus knew exactly what he was about and what he was doing. So Jesus, in that anticipating question, he was simply asked, (coughs) excuse me, are you for real? Are you the real one? Are you the real one, or do we keep looking for another? Are you are you a fake one? Are you the real one? Are you for real? Well, you remember Jesus' own disciples had an anticipating question as well. They asked him, "Lord, will you at this time restore your kingdom?" You see, that's what all of the Jews felt that the Messiah was coming to do. Restore the kingdom here on earth. Jesus did not say, Yes, I have come to restore. They thought he came to present judgment. They wanted to know, are you for real? You remember a number of years ago, there was a commercial. A commercial said that this lady came on in, in the TV and she kept asking this question over and over again. I don't remember what, what uh, fast food joint it was, but it was one of the fast food joints. And, and the, the question was, where's the beef? Where's the beef? You remember that? Some of you must because you, you laughed at it. it. It was kind of funny. It really was kind of fu- Where's the beef? Are you for real? Where's the real beef? I think it was uh, uh, some questions about McDonald's because McDonald's was serving up uh, supposedly horse meat instead of beef. <laughs> well, uh, it was still edible, I think. Whatever it was. And there was a TV program. Will the wheel so-and-so please stand up? Uh, But uh, I don't know if that was truth or consequences or uh, one of the other ones there. John wanted to know if Jesus was the real one. John wanted to know. And this was no no, uh, uh, person that didn't mean something. John was the forerunner of Christ. He was to prepare the way for Christ coming. John wanted to know, Lord, are you for real? My dad always told me, son, if you don't know something, ask. Ask. John did ask. Is there another one that we're to continue to look for, or are you the real one? Now, you need to note that the word another has two different meanings. John sent his disciples, and uh, in verse 3, he says, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? The word another there has two different meanings to it. The word another can mean one of the same kind, or one of a different kind kind used here it's not it's it's one of a different kind do we look for another of a different kind who will come in judgment since you didn't come in judgment do we look for another one that will come in judgment or do we look for one of the same kind it was used of jesus when jesus said i will send another comforter one of the Same kind. But this isn't the one of the same kind. It's one of another kind that John uses. Are you the real one that's coming? Are you the real one that's coming? Dads? Do your children ask an anticipating question of you? Are you for real, Dad? Are you a real Christian? Or do they have some semblance of a question in their mind as they watch you? Dads and granddads include us as well. Do people ask that anticipating question about you? Are you for real? Do they look for your walk and listen to your talk and follow that as a definitive response to who you are? Are you for real? In response to John's anticipating question, look at Jesus' authenticating witness in verses 4 and 5. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John this. Go and tell John the things that you see and hear. Tell John which you hear and see. The things that you hear and see. And then he lists them. The blind see. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them he gave john an authenticating witness he gave john an authenticating response a response that was real it was to encourage john it was to encourage john that while he was in prison as he was in prison for the length of time that he was going to be in prison john listen this is what is real this is what is happening See the miracles that are taking place. Healings are occurring. People are being touched. People are being blessed. People are responding. People are being well taken care of. In full view of all, truth seeks no concealment. You don't have to hide. You don't have to lie. You don't have to wonder about what the truth is. Just look and see look with your eyes, hear with your ears, tell John what you see, tell John what you're hearing. People are being miraculously healed. People are hearing the gospel. The gospel of salvation, the gospel of hope, the gospel of peace. The gospel is preached to the poor. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Jesus told John's disciples, you go and you show John. Go and show John and tell John what you've seen and what you hear. You see, why would Jesus tell his disciples, John's disciples, to go tell them what you see and what you hear? Because you can't refute your personal testimony. You know, Jesus hasn't told us to go and do anything that is outrageous. When he said, go into all the world and make disciples, he hasn't told us anything that he didn't expect us to do, nor that he expected us to do by ourselves or on our own. Jesus has told us to go and make disciples because he plans to be with us, and he plans to help us along the pathway. Help us do it. By what means? By our witness, by our testimony, what we've heard and what we've seen in essence, what we've experienced. And that's the truth that nobody can deny. That's what's real, that no one can take it away. What, what's your family seeing in the home? Because what's in the home and what they see in the home Is what's real. And fellas, if it doesn't work in the home, don't export it. If it ain't working there, there's a reason it's not working. Jesus said, Go tell John what you've seen, go tell John what you hear. Go tell John, this is real. This is what's real. Healings are taking place. Lives are being touched. Lives are being changed. The blind are able to see. The lame are able to walk. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. It does matter what you say. It does matter how you act. Character has consequences and it does matter what your character is are you able to give an authenticating witness to people who would come up to you and ask you an anticipating question are you for real do you really believe in Jesus Christ do you and are you really a Christian I think it was a young lady in one of the early shootings in school that was asked, Do you believe in Jesus Christ? And she answered, Yes. With a gun next to her head, the person said, Well, then go and join him. And pull the trigger. Could you give an authenticating witness like that? That's an authenticating witness. Dads, granddads, are you for real today? And then look at the awesome promise that's given in verse 6. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. (laughs) The anticipating question of are you for real? And then with the authentic witness, yes, go and tell John. What you see and what you hear, the blind are being able to see. They're receiving their sight. Uh, The lame are able to get up and walk. They're able to to kick and run and uh, jump up. and They're able to, to move about on their feet. The deaf are able to hear. The dead are raised back to life. And the poor, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is the one that's not offended by that. Blessed. What does he mean, blessed? Blessed, literally, the verse says, happy is he who does not find in him and in his ministry an obstacle to trusting and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore reject Him. The miracles may not be totally irrefutable evidence of the truth, but they are very good evidences that God is doing something. Evidences of God being in our midst, evidences of God being with us, is the fact of our peace and our ability to go in and out every day of our lives, wherever we are, and give a witness and be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. In whatever we do, whether it's work, whether it's play, whatever it is, literally being happy because Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. Just like... The praise team led us to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise Him in the heights. Lift up holy hands that that praise Him and give Him glory. Blessed, happy is what the word means. Happy is He who is not offended by me or because of me. Now, there are a lot of ways and a lot of, of uh, things that offend us, and a lot of ways we can be offended. But we tend to bring Jesus down to our level of understanding. We tend to bring Jesus down from the lofty heights of glory And we want to put him on our level of who he is and who he should be. He can't do that because he's not down on our level from the standpoint of who we are as human beings. He knows who we are. He knows how we are. He knows what we are because he was like us. But you can't bring him down to our level and make him like us. Because he's God. He's God. To understand Christ, we need the study of the Scriptures. We need to understand the Word of God. And we need to bring our faith to the passage, to the Word of God. And we need to correspond with the Word of God with our lives. That's why Are You For Real is so significant. It's so simple, but it's so significant. Are you for real? Does your lifestyle, does your character, does your actions give evidence of who you really are? Do do you give assurance that Jesus Christ is your king? Your king, or do you give evidence otherwise? C.H. Spurgeon writes, I would not give much for your religion unless it can be seen. Lamps don't talk, but they do shine. A lighthouse sounds no drum, it beats no gong, yet far out over the waters its friendly spark is visible to the mariner. So let your actions shine out your faith. Let the main sermon of your life be illustrious by your actions, and it shall not fail to be illustrious. James says faith comes by hearing, and hearing. uh, James says faith without works is dead, and works without faith is dead. You can't have it every way that you want it. This ain't Burger King. Does your lifestyle and your actions, your character, give evidence that you are a Christian? Dads, granddads. But now let me open this up further to all of us, not just dads and granddads. Are you for real? As a youth, as a teenager, As a young adult, as a median adult, as an older adult, it doesn't matter. It applies in every way. Are you for real? And if you are a Christian, then be a Christian, live a Christian, act like a Christian, talk like a Christian, smell like a Christian. I don't know necessarily what they smell like, But be be that as it may. Be the real thing. Be the real thing. Jesus is real. He was real. He is real. He's still real today. Be real. And then we won't have to be concerned about the anticipating questions that are asked about us. We can give an authenticating witness without any regards to well, what people going to say, or they going to think uh, this or think that doesn't matter. It's what he thinks and what he knows. And then really, what is the promise that he gives to us, blessed. You'll be happy if you're not offended in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He came, and the Jews turned him down and turned away because they thought he was coming in judgment. They wanted him to come in judgment. Oh, they would have been glad to have seen him come and uh, and set things right and wipe out Rome and wipe out all of the, the, uh, the 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 detractors of Christianity. They would have been glad. And and tell you the truth, probably some of us would be glad too if they would take, if the Lord would just come and take some of those out who are detractors to Christianity today. But you know what? Our Lord is merciful, our Lord is gracious. The Bible says it's not His will that any perish, but all come to repentance. It's not His will that any perish, which means. He gives grace. He's very gracious. And he's long-suffering. Meaning he has a lot of patience. A lot of patience. He's got a lot more patience than we do. And he's willing to give us a- a ample chances after chance after chance to come to Christ. And that's what he does. So, Let me close with this. Are you for real? Are you for real? Are you the real thing today as a Christian? If you are, blessed, happy are you? Be happy, be glorious. Praise the Lord. Serve him with gladness. If you're not. Well we've got an altar down here. I'll stand down here. And meet you. Pray with you. While you get it right with the Lord. Repent and renew your relationship with him. Recommit your life to Christ. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now's the time. Today's the day. In the days and months ahead, there are going to be ample opportunity for open times to share your feelings, to share your thoughts, to share what your hopes are. For Corinth Baptist Church, there's going to be prayer. As I said last week, priority number one is prayer. We're going to need it. We already need it. And we're going to be doing it. One of the greatest, I think, challenges that the Lord is going to give us is a challenge. To determine where he wants us to go. We already know what he wants us to be. But where does he want us to go? And how do we get there? Where he wants us to be. You've got a stake in that. And we'll find out. One of the first steps we need to make is to be real. Let's be real. Starting today, one of the things I loved to do as a kid was let's start over. The Lord Jesus gives us opportunity after opportunity to start over. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Father, we thank you and praise you for this day and the opportunity to be real with you right now so lord i i just pray that you will help us be real with you god this is this is the time that that we've come to this service to do business with you to to be real with you lord i pray lord that You would touch our heart, move our heart to be real with you so that we can be real with others. Today, Lord. Today. In Jesus' name, amen.